Welcome to Season 2 of WeTal Talks. WeTal is a community for developers and WeTal Talks is our live audio stream. This is a recorded episode from the live stream. We invite inspiring techies from all over the world to meet, host talks and discuss the latest in tech. My name is Charlotte Holman and I'm the founder of WeTal. In this episode, we meet Jesper Lekland, who is the CTO at Jepster. Jepster's mission is to become Sweden's largest marketplace for young professionals. We talk about Jesper's passion for coaching juniors, how he managed his remote tech team, and why his influencer career in fitness might have been beneficial when becoming a leader. So today with us we have Jesper Lekland who is CTO at Jepster, that is a startup here in Stockholm. Welcome here, so fun to have you here. Thank you, thank you. Very nice to be here. Uh, So for us that don't know much about you, can you tell us a bit about your background? I'll try my best. Uh, Well, as Charlotte mentioned, I'm the CTO at at Jepster. Um, I didn't start there though, I, I started my journey way back when I was 12 years old, uh, deciding that I was going to be a computer geek for the rest of my life. Um, I studied um, technique, uh, programming basically in high school, uh, continued doing um, a master's in computer science down in the southern part of Sweden in, in Lund. Moved to Stockholm in, in 2014 and started my, my consulting career at a company called Netlight, where I consulted at, at many different companies. Um, a few years in, I realized that this was, this was a lot of fun, but I can probably do better on my own um, and get more, a bigger piece of the cake. So I started <laughs> freelancing, um, specializing in, in React Native when it was quite new. Um, this was back in 2016, so it was basically just launched. Uh, started specializing in startups and React Native, helping young companies launching their apps, basically. Uh, I swore I was never going to do anything else but freelancing. Uh, I loved it so much. That was, I, I could work a few days a week. I could earn more money than I did at Netlight. Uh, I could choose my own clients. Uh, so I was never going to do anything else. But 10 or 11 months or so into my journey as a freelancer, I met Jacob, the founder of Yepster. Uh, and I told, told him off, basically. No, I'm not going to join Yepster. There's no way. <laughs> I'm going to freelance forever. Uh, he kept on pinging me, uh, like, you, you need to join Yepster. You, this is where you're, you're meant to be. Uh, so a few weeks into his persuasion, uh, I gave up. I gave in. Uh, Only a few weeks. <laughs> a few weeks, but it's quite a quite intensive few weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a good uh, good persuader, Jacob. Uh, so I, I joined in December 2017, and I haven't looked back since. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little over four years in um, uh, as a CTO. We've, we've grown quite a lot since, uh, but I, I haven't looked back once. I, I love it. And now I'm saying I'm never going to do anything else than Yapster. <laughs> but we'll see about that. Uh, but, but so far, I'm, I'm loving every, every part of it. Yeah, very cool. And uh, so you've been there for four years, so that's quite a long time. Uh, can you first tell us, uh, everyone that doesn't know Yapster, what do you do? Yes, of course. So Yapster is, a, is an app-based marketplace for teenage jobs. So we, we strive to, to help all young people all across the world um, to their first job, to get that work experience. Uh, we, we say that we have small jobs with big impact. 
So you can start at age 15 and join Yepster as a yep, a young entrepreneur. Um, and you start off with typical teenage jobs, uh, household jobs. You can babysit, tutor, you can do gardening, uh, dog minding, any, any type of job that, that's suitable for a teenager. Uh, you progress within the app, so you work for, for your neighbors, uh, you gain experience, you gain money as well, of course. Uh, you progress within our gamification system, uh, and then you unlock your company jobs, so you work for actual companies. Uh, and the idea is that you do this during your study time, uh, and then you graduate to real job. Uh, so we try to solve this catch-22 moment where you get your first job, but you're required to have experience. It's a very typical like entry-level requirement. Uh, you need at least one year of experience, but how are you going to get that if you can't get your first job? Mm. So that's where Yepster comes in. Mm, interesting. And uh, uh, how many are you in the tech team right now? So my team is six people strong, myself included. Mm. And you have some remote workers, I heard? We do, we do. Uh, we recently hired three people remotely. Uh, I, I, was, I was not strongly against, uh, but I preferred in-house developers for a long time. I think mm -hmm. most people did up until COVID hit us. <laughs> um, so I hired one Serbian guy and two Polish developers um, just before Christmas. Uh, and it, it turned out great. It really did. Uh, I'm, I'm a Converts. I, I, I prefer remote developers almost now. <laughs> no, that's that's too much to say. We, I love our in-house developers as well, but mm. but I'm not at all against remote developers anymore. I think it's amazing and it's it's really fun to you know mix cultures and people of different backgrounds as well and experiences, of course. Mm. Yeah, we have also had a mix. And what do you think is the like biggest difference between in-house uh, Swedish worker and the remote? Ooh, difficult question. Pros uh, and cons. Pros and cons. <coughs> well, uh, an obvious pro to remote developers is often uh, the cost. Swedish developers are super expensive, uh, from mm -hmm. a CTO perspective at least. Um, but, uh, but I think the, the thing that you, you lack with a remote developer is the spontaneous conversation that you can have in the office. You can, of course, make that happen in a remote setting as well if you have the right tools. Um, we try to, to enable Slack calls as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're by the computer, you're, you're open for a call, mm -hmm. unless you have a red status like, don't bother me. So we, mm -hmm. we, we've tried to, as much as possible go remote first, since we started having even one remote developer to, to make sure that they're all included in the team. Mm. Cool. And uh, are you uh, going to hire Swedish people again? or? <laughs> <laughs> We, we will, for sure. Uh, I think Sweden has a, has a big impact on the tech scene. We have really talented developers, mm. really talented and really expensive developers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Lower your prices. Yeah, but I think, I mean, we have cool companies and people from those companies, they gain a lot of experience. Um, mm. And we have good education as well. Um, I don't think we're necessarily the best, uh, but we're definitely up there. Mm. And if I am looking for a job at Jepster, uh, what are your, how do you take me through the interviews and uh, what challenges do I have to face? Yeah, so we, we've, we've worked a lot on our recruitment process over the years. Uh, recruitment is difficult uh, mm -hmm. from both perspectives as a candidate and as uh, the, the person recruiting or the company recruiting. Uh, in the case of Yepster, we normally start off by sourcing resumes, obviously. Uh, so you need to have a, a resume that stands out because uh, we, we get a lot of resumes. Mm, what, what stands out? What stands out? That's a good question. Um, design does, even though it's 
irrelevant to to a developer. Whenever there's a like fresh resume uh, <laughs> just looks good there's something you know because you need an eye for detail when you're a developer as well especially in our case where we work with a consumer facing app like it needs to look good it needs to feel good and that needs to go for everything you do it needs to be like part of who you are so we we look at the resumes obviously the experience is more important than the looks of the resume <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you need to have experience uh, depending on the role that we search for of course we, we've hired junior developers as well uh, with with as little as uh, just a boot camp experience so basically no experience up until a three-month boot camp and then just just a passion for learning uh, so you you send in your resume or you apply to the job in question uh, we then often send out a code test a fairly basic code test which a lot of like senior developers scoffs at like why would I do this? But it's it's a nice entry point for us to get a sense of how you approach a fairly simple problem. Mm. Do you over-engineer the solution? Do you keep it basic as is? And most importantly for me, do you ask questions? Because it's a vague assignment. And that to me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not explicitly stated in the assignment, but it's very, very relevant. Do you ask questions? Because that's part of your job later on. Like when you get a ticket mm. and you don't understand what's up, Will you ask a question or will you just make assumptions? And that is a big part of how we hire at least. Mm -hmm. So you, you make the code test or you do the code test, you hand it in and we, we book a follow-up meeting where we walk through the code test. So you, you will just explain your solution. I will obviously ask questions if I haven't, uh, normally do. Uh, and then you get to meet the rest of the team. So more of a culture fit interview, the second one. And if everything is, is good and well, you're a part of the team. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the, the code test is the biggest hurdle that you have to jump. Uh, mm. And a lot of people do it accidentally and a lot of people fail miserably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as in life. <laughs> as in life, yeah. As everything in life. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, very cool. And uh, you are also passionate about coaching juniors. I am. Is that right? That is correct. Um, tell me a bit about how did you... Uh, find this passion? I think uh, as a developer, you're, you're often faced with having to teach somebody something. Um, and, and to me, that came quite soon since I started off as a consultant and then you're normally hired as sort of an expert, quote unquote expert. Even though I was super junior straight out of school, I came in with this, you know, big fanfare, like here's a consultant, he's going to teach you things as he just had to put on that hat. Um, and to me, it, it was just super rewarding to, to see people understand things and to see things finally clicking. So that has been a passion for me ever since, to understand things to the point of where I could basically, I don't need to know what it is, but I, I know how it works by just looking at it. And that I want to give to other people, to, to see that just clicking sensation when they go, I know what it does, how it does it, and how to to take this specific solution and, you know, fit it into my domain. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And uh, what is your like coaching style? Can you call it that? Mm. How do you coach juniors? Uh, there's obviously not one recipe. Uh, yeah, you have to be very mindful that you're dealing with people uh, and every person is, is different. They're individuals, all of them. But, but in general, I, I try to deal with, with asking questions. 
because I think telling people how to how to do something is not never the right way. Um, they need to understand why and how. Um, so I, I tend to ask a lot of questions in, instead of just showing them this is how we do things. Um, so uh, normally I, I set them loose with the tickets straight off the bat, uh, with basically no instructions. For me to, as well to get a sense of how they work, because I need to adapt and to, to to who they are, how they want to work. So I set them free with a ticket, uh, and then we, we start picking apart their solution. Uh, why did you do this? Okay, so I learn your assumptions. What do you know? What, what's your perspective on things? Because I, I can't have your perspective until I picked apart your solution and understood why you did what you did. So we do that, and then we, we approach it from my perspective. Like This is how I would approach it based off of these assumptions and these experiences. And I, I make it very, very obvious that there's a ton of other things that you don't know at the moment that I base my assumptions off of, but I try to explain everything. So normally just a, a small ticket can turn into an hour long explanation of how everything is tied together. <laughs> but I think the context uh, is super important. You need yeah. to understand why we do things, not just how we do things. So the why is the important part. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, like in a startup, everything has to be fast all the time. Yes. Do you have time to <laughs> explain for one hour? Uh, it, it is a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, we need to move really quickly. Um, but but I've come to the um, the conclusion, or I've come to terms with the fact that when you hire somebody. The, um, the velocity won't go up in the beginning. It will go down because you will need to spend resources on training this person that it needs to be done thoroughly for it to last. Um, so you, you kind of set the stage when you hire somebody and you set the stage for their entire journey in your company. And if you rush that and you just go, ah, I don't care, just do something quick. We need it out now for a new developer. That's, that sets the stage, that sets the tone for your entire collaboration. Uh, so, so yes and no. <laughs> we, we need to do things really quickly uh, and I need them to understand why we do things the way we do. Sometimes I might need to do that retroactively. Uh, I might need to just complete something really quickly and then go back and say, we don't do this. Don't do what I just did. <laughs> don't ever do this. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, I've said later. that several times, like, don't do what I do. Uh, I do it because I have this vast knowledge base of our specific domain. Uh, so don't do what I do, do what I tell you, <laughs> which, which is, uh, yeah, uh, sometimes necessary. Uh, but there are exceptions to every rule. And I, I mention that quite often as well when I, when I say, like, this is how we do it and why we do it. But then I always give the caveat, like, there are exceptions. Um, so you need to understand the why, otherwise you won't be able to know when to make the exceptions. Okay, cool. And um, yeah, I was thinking a bit about that you said that you have to take time with people in the beginning. So it is kind of like an investment when you take in someone. How do you know that you have found the right developer? Wow. <laughs> do you ever know? Um, <clears throat> I think you know quite quickly. Um, but yeah, there, there's some sort of just synergy when, when, when things click. Like you know that this person is, is going to ask the right questions. You don't have to pull the entire weight because that's whenever you hire somebody, they're meant to to offload the team, they're to, to augment the team, to make it better. And if they just 
keep on costing you energy and mm -hmm. and time without bringing something back then then it's seldom a good fit but you can quickly notice like even if they might not be able to contribute an experience they might be able to contribute with something else um, it might not be knowledge in your domain but it might be knowledge in another domain uh, it might just be energy to the team it might be just a passion for learning that that's something that i've uh, put very highly in my like recruiting bullet list like they need to have mm -hmm. passion for what they're doing they don't need to have the experience they don't need to have the knowledge we will provide that through mm -hmm. training but if they don't have the passion to to ask the questions and to learn and maybe even do it on their spare time it's probably not going to work then we need a senior developer who can bring the knowledge to the table but might have less passion so it's always mm -hmm. you know it's 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 a it's a waiting you have to do mm. yeah and uh so as you said, you've been at Jepster for four years, which is quite a long time in this world. Startup years, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You must love it. Uh, what uh, have been like the technical changes during the years, or not just technical, but what has been like the main? What has happened during these four years? Um, we, well, we've matured, I would say, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, we we made some technical decisions before I even started. That's that's still around today. Um, we're kind of not stuck with them, but but they're very infused into our core. So we'll have to work around them. Uh, but we're, we're kind of light-footed at the absolute technical choices. Uh, we move quite fast. I mentioned this to you earlier. We we move fast and we break things. Um, we we recently migrated our entire stack to AWS. It used to be on Heroku just for for simplicity's sake uh, mm -hmm. but then we had a guy who just i, I want to move it to, to aws i think we can benefit in the long run uh, hmm, fine do it <laughs> <laughs> and we broke things along the way um, but th there are a ton of changes uh, we we've we have to move fast and break things uh, we recently acquired a marketing automation system that we we did extensive research on which one to choose um, and we picked it very expensive six months in and we go this is not good mm. it sucks <laughs> we have to switch again um, but the, the the faster you adapt the the less the cost obviously uh, but that's i think a startup mantra you need to take on move fast and break things mm. so there's there's been a lot of changes um, but but uh, react native mongodb a few things have been with us for the for the entire time at least mm. And it's only a native app, or is it also web? It is. Uh, the platform as is, is is only in the app. Uh, the website is mostly a landing page uh, mm. uh, and a blog as well to just gain SEO traction. Mm. So everything is in the app. Uh, we've long talked about having it on the web as well. But like mm. the more platforms you have, the more work uh, mm. and the less fun and cool things you can do if you have to maintain more platforms. Um, mm. So maybe we'll bring it to web one day. Uh, but when we, we actually, when I started, it was actually a web app. Um, so it was a hybrid app uh, through Ionic. Um, and then we noticed like still 90% of the, the users were in the app, not on the web. Mm. So it was still a data-driven decision to just remove the web completely. And mm. we moved a lot faster in terms of development since. Yeah. Yeah, and you're also passionate about React Native. I am, very, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you love about it? 
oh, what's not to love? And there, <laughs> there's a lot of things to dislike as well. But, but, uh, but first of all, what are the competitors again? What <coughs> are we uh, comparing this to? I mean, of course, native. Native, yeah. native <laughs> development, for sure. Uh, Flutter has been a recent mm-hmm. uh, contestant. Uh, I haven't tested it myself, so I can't really say mm. good or bad. Uh, there's native script, which I haven't tried either. Um, th- there's a few that just brings JavaScript uh, into the native world, good mm-hmm. and bad. There, are, there have been like old ones like Xamarin as well. But I think Re- React Native is by far the most used uh, cross-platform library at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's being developed at a rapid pace. And there's a lot of investments um, being made, both from Microsoft and Facebook. And it's a, it's a Facebook product, mm-hmm. um, but Microsoft is investing heavily as well. Mm. And you're not sponsored. I am not. <laughs> I am not. I wish I was. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Maybe if they hear this podcast. Yeah, Microsoft, uh, please but, sponsor um, me. So, um, yeah, what what do you love about React Native? It, it enables myself and, and all of our developers to, to work really quickly, iterate really quickly uh, without specific domain knowledge for iOS and Android, which mm. is fantastic. I mean, the team size at Yapster and the developer team size has been three people, myself included, for four years, basically. We just recently became six people. And to do what we've done on three people, I can't imagine doing that without <laughs> a framework like React Native. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as well, like in, in terms of recruitment, um, when we recruit, recruiting native developers, that works, sure, but you need to recruit one of each, one for iOS and one for Android. Uh, when you do React Native, you don't necessarily need to recruit a React Native developer. You can recruit a React developer because the similarities are so many. It's almost the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you don't do that, just a JavaScript developer will do fine. You can teach them most, most of the rest of the things. So you open up this whole like smurgles board uh, of developers that you can utilize um, mm-hmm. and recruit instead. Uh, and in our case as well, we use TypeScript across uh, both backend, app and web, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So every single one of our developers do full stack development, which is great as well. So everybody knows the entire domain. Mm. Yeah, we have the same stack as you guys. Nice. We haven't uh, gotten around to use TypeScript yet, but- uh, That was actually, yeah, <laughs> that was a pet project of mine. I did it during um, Christmas holidays three years ago. Mm-hmm. I rewrote the entire- <laughs> <laughs> not the entire code base, not 100%, but I, I, got, I got started. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all you need to do. You need to get started. Um, so as soon as you have it set up, you can still interoperate between JavaScript and TypeScript, but you mm-hmm. can keep migrating to TypeScript um, just mm-hmm. ad hoc when you when you see the files. So we I think we have 90% TypeScript coverage at the moment. Mm-hmm. We had that quite soon as well. And it's that so powerful. Fun. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> and also like on Christmas holidays, you're like, oh, just gonna you know fiddle around a bit with yeah. the code oh let's rebuild the my, whole platform my wife my wife didn't like it though <laughs> <laughs> this I, is I, what a developer is yeah you, know, you can't change that's who the you passion are, you know? we're talking about <laughs> actually i i rewrote two things i rewrote the entire code base into typescript and i redid our entire navigation stack as well um, <laughs> I, that's what i do when i i have time off i just love you know going back to not basics, obviously, but going back to like a clean slate and rethinking with all the knowledge that you gain over the years, like how would I do this if I did it from scratch? Mm. And you can never do that during office hours. There's yeah. so much other things to prioritize. So you have to do it on your own, your own time. Yeah. 
but it's fun. It's no pressure. You're just doing it for fun. And then yeah. like, oh, I'm going to rebuild everything. Yeah. And then you can reap the benefits. We did similar things on the back end as well. We improved the response time. We like halved it basically uh, just from a hobby project. Mm. So we, we actually do, uh, we do bi-weekly hack days. Every other Friday, you can do whatever you want. Um, and the idea is that those types of things comes out of it. Mm. Very, very appreciated. Yeah, sounds fun. And now I'm going to go into something that you say, we don't have to mention that, <laughs> but you are a influencer. No, I, I am not an influencer. I, yes, I, I, dabbled, <laughs> I dabbled in influencing a couple of years ago. I did. Oh, but you had, uh, I mean, you were in the newspaper with your wife. Yeah, we were in the newspaper and on TV. Um, we, we had our 15 minutes of fame, I like to say. Uh, okay. Yeah, my my <laughs> wife has continued, and she's quite successful on social media. Um, mm. But but to me, doing both, um, being an entrepreneur in in freelancing and, and joining Epster and trying to, you know, kickstart a business in influencing it was way too much. It was two full time jobs. Mm. Uh, I started you know coding, like a blog portal for our uh, for our account, our social media accounts. Uh, we we tried to do like books and uh, we we did workouts we had a fitness uh, mm. couple yeah fitness. tell us about <laughs> what you want <laughs> i googled your name i see you uh, you know all these like fitness pictures yeah they come up first don't they nothing mentioning nothing react native about code. <laughs> nothing about code or ctos um, seo for you uh but yeah when i when i met my wife we we started working out together uh and we instagram wasn't new but it, it wasn't what it is today this was in 2014. So we started doing couples workouts just for fun. Um, we filmed them, we uploaded them, and all of a sudden we had like 10,000 followers. Um, oh, come on, all of a sudden. <laughs> no, it was really, it was I'm just- I'm working on my, you know, I think I'm up to 3,000, but I've been working hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't- show more, you know, skin. <laughs> we did not do that though. <laughs> but how did you, okay, so you just got 10,000 followers. Yeah, we got that from, from fairly basic videos, but we, we tried to you know, stand out. So we did the couples workouts where we used each other as weights, uh, mm. which was quite fun. Um, and, then, and then we basically just leaned into it and, and kept doing more and more and tried to be you know, innovative in, in what you could do in a gym with your partner. Um, really cheesy sometimes <laughs> but we, we just I as i said cute yeah there were two camps cute or cheesy <laughs> uh but still the, the followers kept rolling in and that was fun and we we started getting like collaborations with different brands uh, we were actually sponsored by tinder for a while which was quite fun because mm. we met through tinder when that was really yeah. new in sweden at least um so we were sponsored by tinder for a while uh, and that was i think the combination between Tinder being new and us meeting there and then doing the Instagram, that's what kind of sparked everything. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was a few years ago. I, I've uh, dedicated my my time to, to Yapster now instead. Okay. But <clears throat> I wanted to maybe talk about that fitness and leadership goes sometimes hand in hand. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think there there might be some correlation. Um, I mean, not necessarily fitness, but sports in general. Mm. Um, I think people who do sports uh, or move around a lot, they have a lot of energy. They tend to be ambitious. Um, ambitious people 
doesn't necessarily tend to be leaders, um, but maybe move into more of a an active role, at least in groups. I, I've always considered myself a leader, not considered myself, I've just found myself in those positions. When I did, uh, when I played football when I was young, I was always team captain. I was team captain for like 10 years. Um, I just ended up in those roles. And I, I don't know if there's a necessary correlation or causation between <laughs> my influencing and that. Um, there might be. Uh, I'm not the one to tell. <laughs> yeah, cool. No, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's very interesting. I haven't thought about this fitness thing until I started my company, but a lot of investors ask, like, do you, have you done any sports? Do yes, wow. a lot of them actually asked that. And I started thinking, I was like, I haven't done any, <laughs> but I hit the gym at least. So, but I still think, of course, like if you are physically in shape, of course you're gonna last longer at work, and uh, you're gonna be able to do more things. I mean, that's just that's logic. that's a really good point. Uh, just you know, we we consider startups mm. to be a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. So you need to last yeah, for the entire exactly. marathon, right? Yeah. So we, we try to do that at work. We have um, we used to have a ping pong table, so mm. everybody didn't have to play ping pong, we, but we, we kind of like, come on, let's play ping pong, everybody. And we ran around the table uh, for an hour. <laughs> it was a lot, of, and we went out to just get some fresh air as well. Um, and we have a lot of these like longevity initiatives where we try to make everybody last for as long as possible we do flexible hours we have uh, mental health days at the upstairs so mm -hmm. you can basically you can take a day off for your mental health it's not a vacation That's it's it's nice. a pay, pay day off and mm -hmm. uh, there's no questions asked like are you having a bad day take the day off like it, you're gonna last longer <laughs> Don't be here and spread your things around. <laughs> that, that's not the intention, of course. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it's and a lot of people, you know, just just having that option takes the stress away. You don't need to mm. necessarily use the option, but just having the option and knowing that that's the the company's end goal to make everybody last mm. is is a stress unstressing factor. Mm. Very interesting you have a fun background <laughs> uh, and uh, so one final question if um, if you because you have like become CTO in a young age if you want to give advice to other people that want to become CTO what should they do that that's a good question I, I think they should definitely ask themselves why do they want to be a CTO <laughs> there's a lot of things that comes with it that there's not as fun as you would imagine. Like there's a lot of admin and managing stuff. It depends on who you are, of course, as a person. Mm. Um, there, there are definitely differences as well between a CTO at a startup and a CTO at a at like an enterprise company. I still tend to do a lot of coding, which I love, and I never, never do want to get away from that. I want to be hands-on. I want to coach our developers. Um, but CTOs at enterprises probably don't do that mm. as much. I can imagine. Um, but, but it definitely, I, I don't think you should strive for a title. I think you should strive for like, what do you want to do at work? And if everything that you want to do then ties into what a CTO does, then, then fine, you should go after that. Um, and obviously you'll have better chances of being a CTO at a startup because they're often without one. <laughs> Since the developers or technical people in general is, is a scarce product. Mm -hmm. um, start your own company if you want to be a CTO. But mm -hmm. then again, it, then it's only a title. 
Um, so I, I would say don't go for the title necessarily. Um, go for what you want to do and do that instead, whatever title that might have. Mm. And why, like what is your why? I, I did not uh, you know, go to Yepster to be the CTO. I, w- I went to Yepster because I wanted to, to do what, what we do at Yepster. I wanted to help young people get their work experience, get to their first job and um, youth unemployment worldwide. That was like the main cause. Um, and then, I mean, I, I joined on an early stage um, and I love, I, I, I thrive at being in a leadership position. So I, I ended up as the CTO. Um, and I, I think I would gladly step down if somebody comes along and proves to be better at this role. Uh, and I think as well, when, when we grow, the CTO role is going to change and I might not be the best fit in a few years. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to it just for dear life because I, <laughs> I need a title. I, I love what I do. And that just happens to come with the CTO title at the moment. Mm. Great. That was all of my questions today. It was so fun to have you here. Likewise, and really fun. Yeah, and good luck with, uh, with everything. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. WeTal Talks is created by WeTal, a coding community with thousands of developers. In our app, you can find your next career opportunity or join Tech Conversations. See you next time.